0: Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Hungry for More. I'm your host, Al Smith, the Pipe Padre, and uh, we are in the season of Lent, and so uh, I thought I would uh, share with you a little bit of update on how things are going uh, with my Lent, and of course, uh, looking forward to hearing from you, and I want to thank everyone who has uh, been uh, sending in their emails, their cards, their letters, Uh, it's nice to uh, have an audience that uh, interacts with us, so uh, I thank everyone who has subscribed to my channel, and of course, you know, uh, connects with us um, from time to time at my website bishopsheentoday.com, and I'm grateful to everyone who has been buying the book, The Cries of Jesus from the Cross. It is uh, again a bestseller during Lent, especially, and uh, I know I was checking with my publisher, Sophia Institute Press, and they had uh, the book on back order for. Uh, A few days, Uh, they sold out uh, so quickly, but they've got more in stock. So uh, it's never too late to pick up a copy of the Cries of Jesus from the Cross for Lent. And so, again, thanks to everyone uh, for your support. Uh, We're going to have a very special guest on the show tonight, uh, Father Ed Looney. Uh, Of course, uh, you know my love for Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Uh, He was very Eucharistic and very Marian. And uh, Father Ed Looney... Uh, He is also very Marian and, and very Eucharistic. So we'll be talking about some of his books and some of his um, I, I want to say media endeavors. He's a great podcaster and uh, he has uh, been showing up on screens all over the world. So we're looking forward to our conversation with him tonight. So we're going be to begin with prayer as we always do and uh, call upon the intercession of uh, Saint Teresa of Avila. And so I'll have my producer Kent uh, bring this uh, beautiful prayer up on the screen. So please join me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Nothing is wanting to him who possesses God. God alone suffices. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love those words of St. Teresa of Avila. I need to hear them uh, every day. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. So uh, we live in trying times and we need uh, the confidence that the saints give us each and every day. I'm going to bring onto the screen uh, our good friend, Father Ed Looney, all the way from Wisconsin. Uh, many of you who know I'm in Canada, and so uh, snow is a, a regular part of my life, uh, six months of the year. And I know in Wisconsin, they do have snow and winter. And so uh, I want to welcome to the set our good friend, Father Ed Looney. Uh, Father Ed, welcome to Hungry for More.
2: Thank you, Alan, for Uh, The Welcome to be with you. And yes, I am a lover of snow. I am an avid skier. I uh, have gone out I think four or five times already this winter and hope that maybe God will bless us with more snow in the uh, weeks ahead so that skiing can continue.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, I see you've dressed uh, the part today and that you have your Roman collar on. And uh, you have, of course, uh, we are presenting well as a priest today. And so, um, again, give us a little bit of background on your journey to the priesthood. And I'd like to say you're newly ordained and that um, I know you were ordained in 2015. But uh, to give us a little backstory of how God uh, touched your heart and brought you uh, to the Holy Priesthood. Yeah. So my
2: vocation really uh, began, I think, you know, of course, with the Blessed Mother. So I'm often described as a Marian theologian. That's my specialty in theology. I've studied Mary. I've written about her. I've spoken about her uh, so much. And uh, my vocation, I think you could really go all the way back. And lots of times people ask me, well, when did you uh, fall in love with the Blessed Mother? And I often tell people when they ask that question, I say, well, you know what? I came out of the womb loving Mary. And the thing is, is that my mother, my grandmother, they, well, my mother wasn't a very religious person. My grandmother was a religious person. Uh, My mother and father separated before I was born. So it wasn't like when I was baptized, they brought me to the font of baptism. And then they took me to the altar of Mary and said, you know, Mary, I give you this child, let him be used for God. That didn't happen. That wasn't the practice of my family. But uh, as I grew up, I became very familiar with many of these stories of Mary's apparitions. I became familiar with stories and uh, really had me think more and more about what is the meaning of life. There was a lady from my home parish, actually, that went on pilgrimages. She took people across the pond to different Marian shrines. And when I was 16 years old, she took me to one of those shrines. And it was a a moment of profound awakening in the faith and realization that, wow, this is something bigger than my parish church. All of these people gathered here, all of these people praying the rosary, going to mass, going to confession. It was just one of those awe-inspiring moments in a person's life. And that's basically the moment where I said, God, if this is what you want me to do, if you want me to give my life for this purpose, I will do it. And I came back home to Green Bay, where I'm from. Uh, I went to a Marian shrine quickly thereafter. Expression of faith. And There's one of the Psalms that says, Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. And that's really what I felt when I was always at that shrine, that I could have went and I could have joined a religious order like Father Donald Calloway and the Marians of the Immaculate Conception. I seriously discerned the religious order for a long time. But hearing those words of that psalm one day at mass when i was serving at the shrine of our lady of good help this Marian apparition in champion wisconsin this is the people that longs to your f- this is the people that longs to see your face that's the moment when i realized well this is where i belong i don't need to run away this is where i need to stay and so i decided to discern diocesan priesthood and was ordained as you mentioned in 2015 for the diocese of green bay
1: Wow, and it's amazing how uh, we always think of the hand of God on somebody, but uh, truly these were the hands of Mary on one of her sons. And uh, I know that uh, you get uh, this label uh, that you are, um, you know, a Marian um, theologian. And I'm source when I think of theologians. Um, I think of people who have read a lot of books and uh, done a lot of studies. So I know you mentioned that you visited some Marian shrines, but um, how did you read up about Mary? Like how, um, what journey did you take to become a Marian theologian? That's great. And you know, the
2: term Marian theologian is one that I prefer and I'm always happy when people use it. That's what I offer. Uh, A lot of times uh, you know, we're called Mariologists. You know, that's the study of Mary, Mariology. And so a person who is, you know, well-versed in that is a Mariologist. And I'm the vice president of the Mariological Society of America. So this group of theologians from all across the United States, and we have some scholars from across the pond and from other international destinations. But I don't like using the word Mariologist because I don't have a degree in Mariology. I have a degree in systematic theology. And so kind of the general study of theology, my research, my focus, my writing has all been about the Blessed Mother, whether that was in scriptures or the patristics or historically, whatever the case might be, I've studied and written about Mary quite a bit. You know, speaking about the Mariological Society of America, and kind of how did I arrive at this point when I was in high school? I have this distinct memory of being, you know, a junior or senior in high school. And I would look at the website of the Mariological Society of America. That was after my pilgrimage to that Marian apparition site in Europe. And so afterwards, it just seemed to me like this is where I want to go. I didn't know the big fancy words that they were using. I remember one time they had the word exegesis, for example, on their website. And I had to Google it. I had to understand what it meant, but that was something that I was interested in. And exegesis is just kind of looking at sacred scriptures and kind of explaining them and teaching about them, studying them, etc. cetera. So uh, my interest in Mariology goes all the way back to high school. And so now, you know, I I was just telling someone that, you know, in 2011, I gave a paper at the Mariological Society of America. I was 21 years old at the time. And now at 31, 10 years later, I am the vice president of the society. So it's kind of an interesting thing that has happened that has transpired in this respect. But uh, I just always knew that I wanted to study Mary. It was just something that was felt deep within. And uh, now I can see how that has happened and how that's
1: been fulfilled. Yes, and uh, again, practice makes perfect. And um, I like to hear how you were writing, uh, even as a seminarian. Uh, And again, it wasn't something that you thought, well, I'll pick it up uh, during my priesthood. I'll maybe find some time in my schedule to carve out, um, you know, a block of an hour here and an hour there to write. Uh, I know you spent a lot of time preparing your homilies, but uh, again, writing must come easy for you. And uh, it's a gift. I know for some, writing is difficult. But uh, tell us about, uh, again, uh, your journey of uh, finding publishers. And I know that you have written many papers over the years with different uh, organizations. But uh, tell me about your so-called book writing journey and uh, finding publishers. Because I know some of our audience, um, they are always asking, you know, they ask me, How did uh, a man of trade like yourself, you know, they know me as the pipe padre or plumber, how did you ever publish uh, works with Sophia Institute Press and other publishers? And uh, I just say, you know what, Uh, God has a sense of humor, but uh, tell us a little bit about your writing journey and some of the connections you made with some of the publishers.
2: Sure. You know, some of it. you know, the credit goes to the bishop of my diocese, Bishop Ricken, in the sense that in 2010, he approved a Marian apparition. And uh, it was in Champion, Wisconsin. Our Lady appeared in 1859. And he declared on December 8th of 2010 that this apparition of the Blessed Mother was worthy of belief. And I mentioned the Mariological Society presenting that paper in 2011. Well, at that time when the bishop was approving the Marian apparition, the topic for the Mariological Society of America was Mary in the United States and Canada up until 1900. Well, of course, the Marian apparition of 1859 fit in and Uh, I lived in Green Bay. I wanted to be a Marian theologian. And so I put forward kind of, let me study this. Let me propose my own thoughts on this Marian apparition. And because I did that, well, then I was assigned to the shrine for a summer. So I was there at the shrine for a summer in 2011. And uh, some of the people there came to me and they said, hey, we need a book for children. Can you write the story of the shrine for children? I said, well, I don't know. That's really not something I'm comfortable with, but okay, I'll try. And so I literally went away to an office, wrote that children's book for the very first time. I was giving a talk then at the shrine. And so they said, well, can you put this in question and answer so that people could buy it? Could we publish a book with that? Okay. I did that. And you know, as the years went on, I said, well, I think we should have a rosary devotional. We should have a novena. And I would propose these things. I published them. And now they're all published in a little book from Tan Books called uh, The Shrine or the, A Pilgrim's Prayer Book, The Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. And in there, you know, kind of giving all, all of my thoughts on the shrine. So there's like a historical section, but then the devotions, the rosary. The novenas, I I ended up writing five or six different novenas. Uh, The Stations of the Cross, different prayers. That's to guide the pilgrim as they go to the shrine in Champion, Wisconsin. So really, it was all because of this Marian apparition in 1859 that I began writing. Now, I continued my seminary studies. And while I was in seminary, two different books then were inspired, A Rosary Litany and A Heart Like Mary's. A rosary litany was inspired during my internship in the seminary. One of my uh, friends called me. He said, you know, I'm not a rosary prayer, but, you know, I was listening to a talk by Dr. Edward Sri, and he mentioned inserting phrases after the name of Jesus. And I started praying the rosary, and now I'm doing that every day. And he said, I think you should give me phrases that I should use. I said, Okay. I can do that if you want. And so that became a Rosary Litany. Ended up going to the Holy Land, prayed a Rosary Litany at the different sites there, uh, kind of bringing it in and, uh, you know, writing those phrases, praying with them at those sites of, you know, Jesus' baptism, at his Annunciation, at the crucifixion. And uh, that's how a Rosary Litany came to be. And then, uh, my, kind of my big book after a Rosary Litany was A Heart Like Mary's. My uh, spiritual director, one day I was in his office. I was kind of complaining, uh, kind of in a bad mood. And he said to me, you know, Edward, you love Mary so much. Where is your Marian heart? He said that to me. And it was a question that I began to take to prayer every day. What does it mean to live with a Marian heart? And I began to identify different ways that it meant to live with a Marian heart. And because of that, then I said, well, why don't I share this? You know, I've come to understand the heart of Mary and what it means to live with the Marian heart. And that's how a heart like Mary's came about. Different attributes of Mary's hearts, different uh, different desires that she has as well. And then, you know, the writing just continued from there uh, to a Lenten journey with Mother Mary and the most recent book, which is a, a break for me, and we're going to talk about, it, I think, uh, is that uh, you know, lots of people say to me, "Well, you're a Marian theologian, and you've written about Mary, and now you finally have written a book about Jesus. <laughs> you've written a book about the Eucharist called Meditations After Holy Communion, and uh, that was inspired uh, because of uh, the pandemic, really." And because of a paper that I gave for the Mariological Society, I studied Father Daniel Lord and his Marian meditations and his Eucharistic Marian meditations. And uh, that inspired me to say, well, I think I need to renew this devotion, just like a rosary litany and bringing forth what St. Louis de Montfort recommended. I need to do this for the Eucharistic reception of Holy Communion. How do you pray in those moments afterwards? How do you pray on the way home? And that gave birth to uh, my most recent book, uh, uh, Meditations After Holy Communion.
1: Right. And, and I think this is what attracted me to your latest book. Uh, because I think when we kind of are all, I think we're trying to work on our holiness. And I'm thinking, you know, what areas could I, can I work on? And a lot of times I think of my time spent at Mass. Uh, Am I paying attention, of course, throughout Mass? And what about, you know, spending time in Thanksgiving? Uh, We all, I'm not saying we all fall into this habit, but many of us fall into the habit of coming up, receiving our Lord, uh, and then heading back to the pew. And we start looking at our watches, kind of waiting for just to get out of the church, and uh, head off for coffee or brunch or whatever. And we're missing this beautiful opportunity to spend time with our Lord after receiving Him uh, in Holy Communion and reflecting. And so when I read through your book, I thought, this is just what I need. And it is what I call a book for the whole year that I can bring with me to Mass uh, every Sunday and take that time, to read the meditation after receiving the Lord and spend some time. And so it's brilliant. It's a very, uh, your priestly um, charism of caring and tending for souls has come through in this book uh, in in a great way. And so I appreciate uh, again, this spiritual discipline or I like to say developing a holy habit of spending time after receiving our Lord and not just kind of saying, okay, uh, in just five more minutes, we'll get our chance to get out of here. Um, I'd love to see that tradition of uh, spending 10 minutes after mass, giving proper Thanksgiving, uh, I guess, return to our churches. Uh, But sometimes we're creatures of habit and we follow the leader. And if they all bolt out the door at the same time, we get stuck. We get caught up in that. So, uh, again, uh, it's a beautiful collection. And maybe you can uh, tell us how you came about finding these meditations because um, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. So please give us uh, your secret. Your secret.
2: Yeah. So the whole idea of meditations after Holy Communion came about maybe in two different ways. And as I sat down and I wrote the book, as I wrote the introduction. You know, recalling some of those experiences that I've had um, in terms of uh, witnessing people praying after mass. You know, when I was 16, 17 years old, I actually was going to a different parish than my home parish. I would drive there. I would participate in the mass there. And, you know, there was something striking because people would kneel down after mass and they would pray there. And uh, they would use different prayer books, they would use different prayers, and it was just something very inspiring. And I saw that in the seminary too. But there were other people that just would get up afterwards and then they would leave. But then there were others that would stay there in silent prayer. And so that witness to me, as I saw that, said, I need to spend time here, I need to pray here. Now, uh, what do you do after Holy Communion? It's a great question. And when I was a young boy, I was an altar server. I remember, you know, I must have been 12, 13 years old at the time. I was in the sacristy of the church. I remember and just came across the prayer the Anima Christi, soul of Christ, sanctify me, body of Christ, save me, blood of Christ, and he breathed me. And at the bottom of this prayer, there was a a line. It said 300 days indulgence. And so I didn't know what that meant. And I just thought it meant, oh, I need to pray this prayer 300 times after receiving Holy Communion. That's what I thought as a 13-year-old kid. And uh, so I started praying the Anima Christi after Communion all the time. And to this very day, you know, 2021, Every mass I celebrate, I always pause after I'm done purifying the vessels and I'm standing maybe at the altar or I'm sitting in the chair. I close my eyes and I say that prayer, soul of Christ, sanctify me, body of Christ, save me, blood of Christ, inebriate me. And then the prayer goes on. So that's been a part of my own Eucharistic meditation for forever, for 10, 15 years now. And that's one of the inspirations. But as I mentioned, uh, coming across the writings of Father Daniel Lord, he had a little book called Christ in Me. And the Mariological Society, to which I belong, I uh, was wanting to present. I wanted to give a paper at one of their conferences. And the, the theme that year was Mary and the Sacraments of Initiation. I said, I want to write a paper on Mary and Holy Communion. That's what I wanted to write on. And I thought for sure that I would be writing on, you know, looking at some of these missiles that had prayers after Holy Communion. And I thought, well, I'll take those lines that reference Mary and I'll write about those. I found myself at a library of academic theology, and I was in kind of the liturgical section, the prayer book section. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to find all these books with prayers to the Blessed Mother right now. And okay, so I pull them off. And finally, I come to a book, Christ in Me. And my immediate reaction was, Mary had Christ in her. Christ is in me in the Eucharist. Maybe this book has something to do with Mary and the Eucharist. I open it up. I never had heard of Father Daniel Lord before. I look at the book and it's a book of meditations after Holy Communion. The very name of this book was the title, the subtitle, Christ in Me, Meditations After Holy Communion. And so I looked at the index and I saw that he had 12 meditations on Mary and the Eucharist and after Holy Communion. And as I delve deeper and deeper into the writings of Father Lord, well, he would give these meditations at convents when he would preach to the nuns he would lead them in a prayerful meditation after holy communion and i said well this is very powerful and so i looked at the different themes of mary in terms of that and then as i gave that paper at the conference one of my scholar friends from england she came to me afterwards and she said you know father i love your book a rosary litany and you have such a gift for taking what was old and bringing it back to the new again. And she said, I think you should do that with Father Daniel Lord. You should write meditations after Holy Communion, just like him, but for the contemporary person. And so I sat on it. I didn't do anything with it. But when COVID-19 hit, masses were canceled. People were not going to mass. You couldn't go to mass. I said, we need something afterwards that's going to renew our Eucharistic faith. And that's where I said, we need to finally write this book, Meditations After Holy Communion. So I kind of wrote it in mind as a post-pandemic book and uh, really to help us appreciate the gift of the Eucharist as we receive it.
1: Yes. And I don't think we ever thought about that. And um, again, during the pandemic, that we wouldn't be able to attend Mass in person, that we've been watching the Mass on our screens. And again, to have your book, that a lot of times we kind of lose our focus because when it's that time uh, to receive Holy Communion, we feel left out. And yes, we pray our spiritual communion and we say our prayers. But to read the meditation in your book, um, there, it's a nice, it breaks up. What I call the online mass and brings me back to an intimacy uh, that uh, I I long for and many do. And so uh, I never thought it would be used as much during online masses as it has been. So uh, again, the Lord works in mysterious ways. He truly does. Uh, Father, we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back and talk a little bit about your uh, podcast and your homilies and your outreach on social media. Uh, We may even talk a little bit about your book on Mary and Lent because we still are in the season of Lent. So uh, we're going to return after a few uh, of our commercial messages. Uh, We got to pay the bills. And so uh, please stay tuned. And we look forward to seeing you uh, shortly here back on Hungry for More.
2: Hey everyone, it's Anne DeSantis here to tell you about my new online TV show called Journeys in Faith. Thanks to Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Radio, I'll be interviewing some amazing guests who'll share with all of us their journeys in faith. It's going to be great, and I can't wait for you to be introduced to some truly good people who are working hard to bring deeper faith to others. It's all about relationship with God and living out our mission as intentional disciples. Join me on Fridays Eastern Time for Journeys in Faith 8:30 to 9:30. Subscribe at Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry on both Facebook and YouTube. I'll see you Friday and have a great week.
0: God bless. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hungry for More. I have in the house today my good friend, Father Ed Looney. And we're talking about, uh, of course, spending quality time with the Lord after receiving Holy Communion, and uh, we've been talking about uh, his latest book. And so uh, I, think, I think we need to just uh, add a little bit of more uh, timely advice to uh, the viewers at home uh, about this treasure. And uh, Father, I know you were mentioning to me off air uh, just how uh, your goal is to um, help people build a relationship with Jesus. So maybe you can add to that.
2: Yeah, you know, those moments that we have after Holy Communion, We leave our pew, we process up, we receive Holy Communion, and we go back to our pew. And those are very privileged moments. You know, the God of the universe, Jesus himself, the bread of life, he comes to us. And so as we go back to the pew, that's an opportunity for us to really commune, as that word means, to be one with our God. And that was the aim. When I sat down and wrote meditations after Holy Communion, there were a few different uh, aspects of it. The first was, you know, I give some sort of introduction to each Sunday where I tell, you know, a story from my own ministry or some story from our Catholic tradition. But then it's like, how do we talk to God about this? What are the points to ponder? So when we consider different questions, well, then we bring that to Jesus. We say, Lord I bring you this experience that I have and, you know, I want to be with you. I want you with me. And, you know, it's really a training and teaching people how to talk to the Lord. And uh, I think so often we have memorized prayers that we use, but sometimes we don't do that prayer from the heart. And that's really, as we uh, go to Holy Communion, you know, Cardinal Newman had that phrase, heart speaks to heart. And that's what we want when we attend Holy Mass, that my heart, my needs, my worries, whatever it is that I bring to Mass, I can bring it to Jesus in a dialogue and in a conversation to talk to Jesus like he was a family member or one of our friends, to share all of those things of our life. And why should we do that? Well, when when Bartimaeus, the blind man, is there on the side of the road and cries out for Jesus, Jesus goes to him and says, what do you want me to do for you? And then Bartimaeus has to say, I want to see. And I think every time then when we receive Holy Communion, it's like Jesus saying to us, well, what do you want me to do for you? And so then we say, well, Lord, this is what I come to you today with. My burdens and sorrows, my sadness, my joys, I I come to you with them all today. And I want you to fill me with hope and love and joy and peace and all of these different things. So just to have that conversation with the Lord after Holy Communion, I think a very powerful uh, experience for all of us.
1: Yes. And it reminds me of what the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen taught us about Holy Communion and how uh, so many of us just uh, are what I call takers. We just go up in line and receive, we just take. But how many of us make an exchange? How many of us actually give something back? And I know um, Archbishop Sheen uh, brought many of us to, uh, I wanna say, an awareness that uh, it's not healthy for us just to take. We need to give, we need to make that exchange. Uh, God is um, asking us to give us, give him our time. And of course he's gonna give us his eternity. And uh, it's this idea of we need to come to the communion rail with an exchange to just give God everything. So uh, again, these are all things that we need to be trained and uh, develop these holy habits. And again, your book Is helping uh, develop uh, a number of good holy habits for so many readers and uh, we encourage everyone to uh, pick up a copy of the book uh, from uh, our good friends at Sophia Institute Press uh, fine publisher that uh, not only carries uh, Father Looney's books but also uh, the books that I've put together uh, on the venerable Archbishop Fulton J Sheen's writings Uh, and so again uh, again we Cannot recommend these books enough. And uh, speaking about Sophia Institute Press, I know they carry another one of your books, Father Ed, which is a Lenten series uh, where you um, school us in Mary and uh, encourage us to uh, get close to your mother, especially during Lent. So tell us a little bit about that book. I know we just saw you on EWTN television. Uh, with Doug Keck on EWTN Bookmarks, uh, talking about the book. So uh, give us a little insight on uh, this great, great Lenten read.
2: Yeah, so it's called A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary. And I was really inspired. You know, I walked through the season of Advent with another EWTN personality, Donna Cooper O'Boyle. And she wrote a book called Advent with Our Lady... And uh, it specifically focused on Our Lady of Fatima. And I, I you know, I felt compelled as a person that loves Mary, as a Marian theologian, that I need to get this book. I need to read this book during Advent when it first came out. And so I bought it. I, I prayed through it. I read it. And it was about halfway through Advent that I said, you know, I think Sophia Institute, the publisher, I had not published anything with them. Uh, I said, I thought to myself, they need a companion book. You have an Advent book with Our Lady. Why not a book about Lent with Our Lady? And uh, just as she focused on Fatima, I thought, well, Mary's messages at her apparitions would make a great Lenten journey. Now, I pitched it, I proposed it, they accepted it. I ended up going to Lourdes. I was on retreat there for eight days. I was kind of going through a few different things in my life and just needed a little spiritual renewal. Um you know, I witnessed uh, the death of, of, of a very young person and, you know, kind of troubled me in, in terms of faith and said, I need to go to Lourdes. I need to experience a renewal of my faith, a, a deepening of my trust in God. And it was my last day in Lourdes that I ended up meeting a pilgrim there at a restaurant, sat down at the same table as I did. And uh, we ended up striking a conversation and this individual shared with me all about the trip that she had encountered, that she had gone on. She was an orphan pilgrim. I was an orphan pilgrim. I use the word orphan pilgrim. Like we didn't go with a group. Most people go to such places with 20, 30 people. They go with a company and I just bought my airfare. I know how to travel around the world. And so ended up there by myself and stayed stayed at a convent of sisters, etc. So, this, uh, this lady, though, she um, also was an orphan pilgrim, and we started talking, and she shared with me about her pilgrimage. She did the way of St. James because she wanted to let go of different things and attachments in her life. She went to Fatima to find forgiveness. She came to Lourdes for healing. She was going to Poland for trust in God, and so she attached something to every aspect of her trip, and I went to write a Lenten journey with mother Mary. I had an initial thought in my mind and I thought, Oh, okay, we're going to, uh, you know, we will do one apparition or two apparitions a week. And we'll just talk about that apparition for seven days and whatever. And I sat down to write and I said, this is an awful book. You know, it's like your first draft of a book and you're like, this is garbage. Throw it away, recycle it. And, uh, Then I I sat down again with a cup of coffee, and uh, I thought about, well, where should we go? And all of a sudden, this woman's journey, this lady who I shared a meal with on my last day in Lourdes, came to mind. I said, that's the perfect journey. In Lent, we want to let go of sin in our life. We want to find forgiveness, so maybe that's praying for different things in our life. We want to find healing in our life. And I said, this is a, a good pattern for a journey, to walk with Mary and her apparitions and to allow them to speak to us. I was very moved in my childhood by Mary's apparitions. And that's what I wanted to do in Lent, was not only should we know about Mary's apparitions, but we should listen to what Mary says. If the mother of God from heaven comes to earth and speaks to someone, seems rather important. Sounds like something we should listen to ourselves. And uh, and so I wanted us to listen to Mary's voice, but then to begin to live these messages, because not only should we hear them, but then we put them into practice in our daily life. And that was the goal of walking with Mary and her apparitions during the Lenten season and, you know, kind of as a tribute to that young lady uh, that I met. You know, there's the little epilogue, and that's a, a eight-day or nine-day journey uh, to Divine Mercy Sunday, where we practice a deeper trust in God. And uh, so really, truly a God-inspired moment to meet that person. And, you know, in a Lenten journey, I share a lot of different stories about my own experiences in ministry and pilgrimage. Uh, the most memorable, favorite one, pick up the book and read it. It's, it's about... Uh, me having dinner with a thief in Lourdes, France. So you want to learn more about that? Find a Lenten
1: journey with Mother.
2: Well, Mary. we will.
1: Yeah, we definitely will. <laughs> now you got me. You're with a thief. Oh, right. Okay, it just sounds mysterious but interesting. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just to uh,
2: maybe I'll give a little cliff note version of it. But basically, like, there was this young couple, they were younger than me. They were at mass every day in Lourdes when I was there. And I said, why are they here? I want to talk to them. But, you know, they would always disappear by the end of mass. I never was able to talk to them. And uh, so I'm walking the streets of Lourdes my second to last day. So before I meet this other woman who inspires a journey. I meet this other couple on the street as I was going to go get gelato or something or shopping. And, uh, I say to them, Hey, where are you from? And they're like, England. And I'm like, Hey, this is my last day here. Like, do you want to get lunch or dinner? Like, it would be really great to, to talk to you and meet you and understand why you're here on pilgrimage. So we went, we had dinner and then I asked, I asked a question that is very typical of Americans. We define ourselves by the work that we do. And so I said, well, what do you do for a living? And the guy says, I can't lie to you, Father. I'm a thief. I break into cars and I steal things. And, uh, you know, so I I have a little Lenten message about that in a Lenten journey. Like, What can we learn from this thief uh, during our Lenten experience as we let go of sin in
1: our life? Well, I tell you, it segues beautifully into the story of the good thief on the cross with our Lord and Savior, yeah. Jesus Christ, and what we can learn from him. So, uh, again, Fulton Sheen um, unpackages that beautifully in many I of I was going to say,
2: Fulton Sheen must have a beautiful reflection for us on the good thief. And, you know, Sophia Institute Press is coming out with a new book from Raymond Arorio from uh, EWTN called The Thief That Stole Heaven. And so kind of telling this. St- Story of that good thief. It's a children's book, much in uh, the spirit of what he's written uh, in the past. So, you know, so Raymond's book uh, is going to be a great book that'll tell that story for the next generation.
1: Yes, and we look forward to that. We'll have to have Raymond on the show. It's. I got a long time coming, but uh, again, he has a great insight on so many topics. Um, and speaking of topics, and you had mentioned about coffee earlier in the show, and it got me thinking about your latest podcast, uh, you know, A Cup of St. Joe. And um, of course, we want everybody to visit uh, Father Looney's website. And, it's, uh, you know, it's always, you always say, what do you name your website? Well, Father fatheredlooney.com, you know, so uh, I always love those websites, yourname.com. And yeah, uh Exactly. Again, right. yeah. uh, we brought it up on the screen for our viewers to see. But uh, you'll see the Cup of St. Joe um, uh, logo there and, of course, your uh, bio that's there and, of course, the books that you have written and are promoting Uh, on the website but um, I tell you I look at the different tabs at the stop the top of the website and I see that you have your homilies you have reflections but uh, again we're we're all starting to tune into podcasts on a regular basis we all have our favorites and I know that you're uh, doing a little bit of work with a number of guests uh, using the year of Saint Joseph to your advantage and uh, of course uh, interviewing guests so tell us a little bit about that podcast and how it's going.
2: Yeah, so great. Well, thanks for that. And, you know, I started podcasting a few years ago and uh, started a podcast called How They Love Mary. And basically, it was just uh, to speak with different guests and authors and personalities, etc. about their devotion to Mary and whatever they were doing. You know, not every episode is about the Blessed Mother. But uh, uh, at the end of every episode, I, I ask a series of like 10 questions about their Marian devotion. And You know, so that was my first, you know, kind of foray into uh, uh, podcasting. And it's been very successful and uh, I enjoy doing it. And uh, with the year of St. Joseph that our Holy Father declared on December 8th of last year, 2020, I, I just thought to myself, I said, well, we need to do like a little podcast thing. And, you know, everybody has their ideas for the year of St. Joseph. You know, some people are putting out their own little companions to Father Callaway's book and they're doing it for their parishes or whatever. And that's great, do that. You know, I'm I'm reading a consecration of St. Joseph right now myself and praying through it. Um, You know, other places are saying, oh, you know, just like we have first Friday and first Saturday. Well, we're going to do the first Wednesday and we're going to promote devotion to St. Joseph and they might have a speaker. And so then you have me, this crazy priest from Wisconsin that says, well, why don't we do a weekly thing about St. Joseph and bring on all of these different people to talk about different things, And how is it that you can have 45 to 50 weeks' interviews with a man that never said anything in sacred scripture? (laughs) And uh, I I thought that it was a challenge that I wanted to rise up to. And I really wanted to promote devotion to St. Joseph. You know, a lot of stuff, you know, I'm a pastor, I, I have two different parishes that I serve. And so when I do things, I do it first for my people. And then if other people want to tag along, they can do that. So, You know, with COVID-19 and we can't do all this stuff, you know, what I can do is I can do a video series on Facebook. I can release the audio as a podcast and I can bring some of the great minds of Catholicism to the parishioners of mine, to other people. And uh, we're talking about St. Joseph every week. There's a different theme of St. Joseph, whether it's his shrines or it's homilies or writings or whatever the case might be. And uh, one of the things is, is you know, with the Year of Saint Joseph, I felt very called to write, you know, a very bizarre devotion called the Station, praying the Stations with Saint Joseph, and that really praying the Stations with Saint Joseph. How do you pray them with Saint Joseph when he died before the Passion of Jesus? But really, if you think about it, there are a lot of parallels to the fourteen Stations of Jesus to the early life of Jesus with Joseph. You know, Jesus is condemned to die. Well, when was his condemnation to death really? Well, probably when the father sent him to be born, Jesus came to die, but even more so the prophet the you know, the prophecy of Simeon who says, you know, this is a he will be a sign of contradiction. And he talks about that. And so really that's the, almost in a sense, an early condemnation of death. So paralleling the life of Joseph and Mary and Jesus with that of Jesus and his passion. And, you know, that's kind of like a little bonus of the cup of St. Joe, but there's so much about St. Joe and and St. Joseph in the light of, in in light of the saints, in light of the tradition, lots of topics that can be covered. And, uh, you know, I'm still putting together the whole year, but, you know, God has provided me a guest every week and I just trust that he'll keep sending me the right people so that we can keep talking about St. Joseph. And Father Calloway beautifully tells us, you know, God wants us to be devoted to St. Joseph. St. Joseph wants us to be devoted to Mary and Jesus, just like he was. So it's very much a, a Christocentric devotion. Um, And so, just really helping people to understand that. He's kind of like this forgotten saint in a sense. Um, you know, we talked about St. Anthony and St. Jude and some of the other, St. Therese, other popular saints, but the foster father of Jesus sometimes is overlooked. We talk about Jesus and Mary, but what about Joseph? And this is a great year for us to have with St. Joseph.
1: Yes. Now you were mentioning to me also that you've just put together Uh, some things on St. Joseph that are going to be released uh, this week. And uh, again, they're being well-received already with uh, some of the, uh, I want to say teasers that you've put out there, but uh, uh, let our audience know what's coming out uh, uh, shortly here about some of your writings on St. Joseph.
2: Yeah. So we find ourselves right now as we're speaking in the season of Lent and that's the praying with St. Joseph, And uh, praying with St. Joseph, praying the stations with St. Joseph. So people can find the written meditations on Althea, on that news website, uh, a a great website. I've contributed to them for several years now. And, um, you know, I, I didn't intend to publish the written text, but I recorded a YouTube video of me speaking the stations that I had written and then putting them to the stations of the cross Again, doing it really for my people that might not be able to attend stations in person and putting together a little virtual prayer for them. And uh, I put it out on YouTube and already it's taken off. And uh, Alethea, as a contributor, they wrote to me and they said, can we publish these stations that you have a video of? And I said, well, sure, of course you can. And uh, so, so I'm really excited to help people to look at the stations in a different way Uh, than we're accustomed to, and uh, to pray them that way. You know, there's one other project beside the cup of St. Joe, beside the um, stations, praying stations with St. Joseph that I wanted to do this year. And that is, um, you know, I I spoke, uh, maybe I I did speak about this, uh, A Heart Like Mary's. And of course, any good author has the book right next to him, but A Heart Like Mary's. I wrote that book and I really feel called in this year of St. Joseph to write a heart like St. Joseph's and uh, you know, a heart like Mary's is 31 daily meditations. St. Joseph's going to get nine days. That's what I got for St. Joseph, but uh, that's something people can stay tuned. I don't know how that's going to be transmitted, but uh, I really like to partner with the same publisher as this Ave Maria press, and maybe put out an ebook for the year of St. Joseph. So that's another thing that I'm praying about and hoping uh, that God will give me enough hours in the day and enough sleep at night to, to uh, write uh, during this year of St. Joseph.
1: Yes. Well, we will definitely pray for you and uh, we'll join you in prayer because I noticed that a number of your masses are uh, ending up on Facebook and on your YouTube channel and um Your homilies, again, on your website, uh, edlooney.com or fatheredlooney.com, that, um, again, there are the links provided. So, again, everybody is always looking for uh, an online mass that uh, maybe they want to change things up once in a while. Um, And, of course, you provide that uh, through your Facebook feed. And, of course, uh, we recommend that everybody check out your YouTube channel uh, where you have a number of features that you share. So, uh, again, the website, fatheredlooney.com. Again, there is a lot to keep you busy, uh, not just during the season of Lent, but through the whole year. Uh, Father Ed, we'll give you the last word. Of course, we've covered a lot of content today, and it's amazing how an hour goes by so quickly here on Hungry for More. But please, um, uh, is there something on your heart you'd like to share with our audience tonight?
2: Well, you know, the Blessed Mother is a great intercessor for all of us, and uh, she is a great companion. You know, I often speak now these days about her being a companion for the Lent uh, that we're a part of for our Lenten journey. But really, she's our mother. She's our intercessor all throughout the year. And so, you know, whenever you run into a little trial in your life, turn to the Blessed Mother. Ask her to pray for you. And, uh, you know, she's a mother. She's the, not only the mother of Jesus, but she's the mother of all of us. And so uh, she wants to help her children and uh, have recourse to her intercession. And uh, all of the saints, they testify really to the power of Marian devotion, that they turn to Mary and ne- as the Memorari says, you know, never were they left unaided and uh, just uh, have confidence in that intercession of our Blessed Mother.
1: Amen amen thank you father ed for that and uh, my dear friends of course we invite you to come back again next week as we will have another uh a guest that will Uh, I like to say, enlighten your mind and hopefully strengthen your will. Uh, But I tell you, our prayer lives need to increase. And uh, I tell you, I'd love to share uh, the wisdom of Archbishop Sheen. And of course, uh, pray for his intercession. So I'd ask you to join me in prayer now as we uh, finish off this week's program. And I'll have my producer, Kent Kowalski, bring up on the screen uh, a beautiful image of the venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. And we'll pray for his intercession in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen eternal father you alone grant us every blessing in heaven and on earth through the redemptive mission of your divine son jesus christ and by the working of the holy spirit if it be according to your will glorify your servant archbishop fulton j sheen by granting the favor we now request through his prayerful intercession and here we pray for father ed looney His ministry, and that uh, again the good Lord will continue to help him to serve the flock that has been given to him and will bless his apostolic endeavors. And we make this prayer confidently through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Father Ed, thank you for coming on uh, this edition of Hungry for More, and we'd love to have you back again because I think you're going to keep writing. (laughs) keep producing (laughs) and keep sharing. So uh, again, thank you for uh, your many contributions. So, Well, thanks for
2: having me. And I'd be honored to join you again on another occasion.
1: Oh, and we'll have you back most definitely. Uh, My good friends, uh, as I say, each and every week, I ask you to stay hungry, stay holy. And of course, we'll see you next week on Hungry for More.